Welcome to the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Debick, the founder of Life Coaching with Lauren, a female empowerment coach, an entrepreneur, empath, and a lover of the ego-friendly lifestyle. My mission is to help women take control of their lives by teaching them how to increase their confidence in an authentic and genuine way so they can achieve both personal and professional goals. I will share ways to increase your confidence, tips on how to integrate grace into your life, as well as stories and advice from other experts on how, as women, we can better empower ourselves and those around us. I will show you exactly how to use the power of confidence and grace to create an empowering and invigorating life that you are excited about waking up to every single day. Now, let's dive in. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Graceful Confidence Podcast. I am thrilled to be able to share the conversation I had with Tashina King with all of my listeners. Tashina is a confidence and mindset coach for women. She is also the founder of Empowered to Greatness. As a woman business owner, top-recognized international dance instructor, and professional mindset and confidence coach, she works with clients on living their life completely in alignment with who they are as individuals. Her messages are all around identifying and changing your limiting beliefs that can help you live a life that is completely in alignment with who you are. Tashina helps women who feel overwhelmed and who have struggled with self-doubt and who have lost confidence in themselves to take ownership of their power and create a life on their own terms rooted in self-worth. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Tashina, thank you so much for being here on the Graceful Confidence Podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? I am doing well. Thank you. So if you don't mind, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. A little bit about me personally is I am a mama of two boys. I've got a four-year-old and a seven-month-old, and I grew up dancing. I love dancing, and I think you and I have that in common a little bit, um, Lauren. And so that really led me into where I am now professionally as a confidence and mindset coach for women. So it was my love and my own professional journey in the dance circuit that led me to working with women and supporting them with self-worth, self-confidence, owning their value, taking risks in their life, and living a life that is completely in alignment with who they are as an individual. That's amazing. And can you talk a little bit about why, why dance helped lead you down that road? Yeah, absolutely. I really felt like I came into my life, like even at two and a half years old, I came into my life knowing I wanted to dance and I begged my mom to put me into dance classes. Um, so she says, and so she found a studio that took me at a very young age and I fell in love with it. It was literally like a second home to me. It was my, my creative outlet. It was my social outlet. It was my everything. And I started to, you know, as we do as kids, think about what do you want to be when you grow up? And oh, I wanted to be a dancer and I wanted to travel and I wanted to just dance, just to move to music was my vision as a little girl. And I, because my parents were getting a divorce, ended up leaving that studio just geographically. It wasn't in alignment anymore. But that studio owner who'd been my mentor for years was upset and I think going through her own challenges looking back and told me I would never amount to anything as a dancer. So that was a very defining moment, even though I didn't know it was at the time. And after that, I 
switched over to a different studio. I joined a performing arts company for several years outside of after high school. Then I decided to transition into professional partner dancing as a career. And it was really at that stage in my dance career that I just wasn't getting anywhere. And I was pouring everything, heart, money, time, soul, blood, sweat, tears, like you name it. I poured everything into making dance a career for myself and it just wasn't happening. And again, at a like deep heart, soul level, I felt like that's what I was meant to be doing, but it wasn't happening. So I was literally throwing my hands up saying, I'm done. I'm walking away. I'm not going to waste any more time on this. I'm going to leave my childhood dream and something that was so close to my heart. And my mom uh, was doing some clinical hypnotherapy. Uh, with her clients and she was also training in some other modalities and she and I had a conversation and it was just like this clarity opened up for me about that moment when I was about 12 years old where that coach told me I would never amount to anything as a dancer and I realized everything since that moment in regards to my dancing had really been a reflection of me believing that to be true whether it was ways I would self-sabotage myself or I wouldn't put myself out there and take a risk in my dance career, or I would shut myself down creatively, wouldn't put my ideas out there and give them a chance to be nurtured and grow them. I just kept in one way or another creating the reality that I wasn't amounting to anything as a dancer. And it was after having that awareness and doing some really beautiful inner reflective work and deep work with my subconscious beliefs about myself, within about two to three months, things shifted. It literally felt like overnight. I did nothing else differently in my dance training, and I started making finals. All I was doing was working with changing my limiting beliefs about myself about my worth, my value as a woman, my value as a dancer, as a creative individual. And then literally four years to the first event I attended in this uh, form of dancing, I made the top uh, professional competitive finals. I placed in that event. And from there, I knew I was on to something as far as working with my beliefs. And so I just kept at it. And I very quickly then got a professional partner he and I traveled for about five years internationally teaching and judging and coaching and performing. And I really got to live the life of a dance career that I knew I always wanted. And it wasn't until I hit that rock bottom point where I was literally throwing my hands up, walking away from something that was so close to my heart, did the awareness come that it was my own beliefs that was creating the challenges. And so that was just a huge four years of my life recognizing that. Wow. That's, that's amazing. And I got goosebumps when you started talking about once you had that moment of clarity and how everything started to fall in line for those who may not have ever heard the term limiting belief before, what is a limiting belief? That's a great question. And very simply put, it's anything you hear in your head, like the, the chatter that goes on of I'm not good enough, or I couldn't do that, or this always happens to me. It's anything that happens in between your two ears, or even in your heart, the feelings that arise that are disempowering in some way or another. It comes down to some belief that you have about yourself that you have about the world or about yourself in the world. 
that keeps you from creating the life that you really want or having the relationships that you desire or speaking up or putting your ideas out there, you know, in your business or in your career, at the, the weekly meetings that happen. So it's anything that keeps you from stepping into and owning and living your brilliance, your magic, your greatness. And how would someone go about identifying what their limiting belief or beliefs are about something? Well, yes, there's usually more than one. <laughs> Even myself having worked with my own beliefs, there's still ones that, you know, pop up to the surface that I'm constantly working with. But really, it's looking at your life and asking yourself, where in my life am I experiencing challenge? Where in my life am I not feeling fulfilled? What about my life do I not really like or wish to be different? And usually for people, that's fairly easy to identify. From there, it's asking yourself, what do I tell myself or what do I hear myself say? You know, so if it's in a relationship, a romantic relationship, you know, you and your partner are working on communication and the thought comes up of, you know, he never listens to me or what I have to say isn't important. That in and itself is a limiting belief, you know, so if it's something like he never listens to me then you can start asking reflective questions to yourself. Like, why do I think he doesn't listen? Is it that I don't like my ideas? Is it that I don't feel important in this relationship? Is there an underlying belief that you don't bring anything of value to the table in the relationship? So in order to become aware of the limiting beliefs that are creating the challenges in our life, we have to be willing to peel back the lid and look underneath the surface and so at some stuff that potentially may not feel great when you're looking at it. But if you're willing to cannonball, <laughs> really cannonball into the yuck and into the muck of those things that don't feel great when we first become aware of it and do the work, the changes that can happen and the transformation that can take place is really incredible. But a person has to be willing to get in there and be present to the stuff that may not be fun to be present to at first. Yes, we've we've been through some some muck, yuck, mud, all of it before. Um, it's not fun, but I would absolutely echo that. Once you get through it, what's on the other side is absolutely astounding. But it's not fun. It's not comfortable. And as a human species, we like to do things that are comfortable, that feel good. So being able to put ourselves in these situations are very difficult. So if if someone has opened up the lid, they're looking at it, they're, it's there, it's all around them, What what is the next step? How do you walk through that yuck and that muck and see the other side? I found with myself and with my clients that identifying what you do want in your life is a really powerful other side of the coin to be able to look at, to keep us motivated and to keep us connected to our deeper why of why are we willing to go through the muck and the yuck to experience the other side of the coin. So whether that is your finances, your career, your relationships, be a friend, romantic, as a mother, 
as a sister, as a wife, as a daughter, really ask yourself, what would I really like to experience in that aspect and that part of my life? And what would I need to believe about myself in order to support that new reality to come into, you know, like uh, come into focus? And then as you're looking at the yuck and you see the limiting belief, but you've identified what I call the empowering belief or the life enhancing belief that then gives you potentially some stepping stones to working towards that new empowering belief. So the work that I do with clients where I have found to be the most effective is working with those either limiting or the empowering belief at the subconscious level. So it's with really within our subconscious mind where the greatest transformation takes place. But if you're not at a place of ready to step into that subconscious work with a, a facilitator or a coach, you know, there's other things that you can do to start identifying what else can you do in your life to start supporting the new life that you want to create. So it might be taking more time for self-care. It might be taking the uncomfortable stance to say no to things. I know as women, as a as a whole, women tend to take on a lot of things that we really try to people please and we really try to find our acceptance and our worth and always giving. And so sometimes that's learning how to set the boundary, but not just setting it, but following through with the boundary and honoring the boundaries that we set for ourselves. So whatever it is that you're wanting to step away from and then step into, take some time, set some time aside to you start asking the questions, what could I change in my day-to-day life? Even simple things that would support me in moving towards that new empowered life. And along the way, you're likely going to find additional beliefs that are limiting that make that road more challenging. And so if you're someone who's really wanting to experience a faster transformation from disempowered to empowered, I'd really encourage you to do the subconscious work with it, not just the conscious mind work, which is the changing things in our day-to-day life, being aware of things, asking those reflective questions, but then reintegrating it subconsciously. And then you'll really find that the gears start to turn faster Things start to become a little bit more fluid. They flow. You'll find synergy a lot easier when you don't have the subconscious weight of the limiting belief pulling you down and making those forward steps harder. And when you say subconscious, what what does that look like? So I think we all understand what conscious means. Like you said, the day-to-day, what's happening. But how does someone access that subconscious level? There's lots of different ways to access it. Hypnotherapy is one way of doing it. Um, The modality that I use, Psyche, is another way of accessing it. But if the idea even of the subconscious mind is new to someone listening, I really like to explain it like a computer. You know, so when we get a new laptop, we get to choose what software we install on it. Do we install QuickBooks? Do we install Microsoft Word? Or do we get onto Canva.com, you know, and we create different things online? Those things can be very supportive. So those would be the equivalent of empowering beliefs. 
But oftentimes we get viruses on our computer and we get things that weigh down the, the processing capability of the laptop. So things are slow and sluggish. That is the equivalent of a limiting belief or anything that is disempowering. So your subconscious is like a, a computer where it stores information and the computer doesn't ask, is this helpful? Is it not helpful? It just runs whatever's installed on it. And so we, at a very young age, start to have beliefs, if you will, installed on in our hardware. And that's all based upon our upbringing. You know, so what what are we seeing in a day to day um, example from our parents, our grandparents? What do we hear on the media, on TV, on social media now? How are we? being bombarded by our culture or religion or politics, all of those things are giving us examples about life. And because we don't really come into the ability to discern those types of things of either helpful or not helpful until about the age of seven, we literally are just like this huge sponge up until the age of seven, absorbing whatever we see demonstrated to us. And we start unknowingly forming beliefs about the world and about relationships and money and communication and taking risks and creativity, all of those things without even realizing we're being programmed. And so we then come into adulthood. And I don't know if anyone else listening has ever experienced this, you're like, oh, I sound like my mom when I, you know, parent my daughter or, oh my gosh, I'm living the same relationship three times in a row. Why am I not calling in someone different? You know, that's really more in alignment of what I want. Well, it's because we've got these programs, these beliefs operating in the background of the subconscious, our computer. And so all we have to do, and it sounds simple, but it is simple, but we've been taught to believe that simple is not effective or it's not easy. It's really simple to actually shift and reprogram those beliefs. And there's lots of ways of doing that. But that's what the subconscious is, is it's a computer that's just running whatever you've been taught, whatever you've uploaded onto it. And so that's where it gets really exciting, though, is you get to become this co-creator of working with beliefs and upgrading, if you will, the beliefs so that you really can start to have a life that is in alignment with what you consciously want, with what your heart wants. It's just, we got to get the subconscious realigned to support those desires. You said that it's simple and it's a simple shift. What are some examples of what, what those shifts look like and then what those shifts lead to? So maybe some of the themes that you see with your clients or what, what is on the other side of what people want to get through to get that life that they are in alignment with? Sure. So I'll just use the my own personal example first, which was I believed I wasn't going to amount to anything as a dancer. So that resulted in me self-jeopardizing in one way or another, creating lots of struggle and challenge in my professional dance career. I started working with my own beliefs about being of value, having something to say, my ideas were important and taking risks and that I could make it as a professional dancer. And I maintained the conscious action steps to support that. So I still had to show up and do my training. I still had to go to events and compete. I still had to show up and live life and follow through with 
kind of the logistics of it. But the result was for me, I started to be more comfortable standing out in a crowd. So on the dance floor, I would actually place myself in front of judges because I wasn't then afraid of being judged. And that resulted in me being more confident in my movement, which allowed me to demonstrate my skill set differently, making it to finals, you know, that progressed further on, which then allowed me to finally make it to that top professional level. Um, Another example with a client is growing up, she was always taught that it wasn't okay to have any feelings. And anytime she started to express sadness, anger, frustration, parents in the household would more or less shut it down right away. And so she never learned, A, that it was okay to have feelings. B, she never learned how to be present to those feelings and work through them and help have the feelings benefit her in some way. So instead, she just completely shut down. And for her, she turned to food as a way of coping with the internal frustrations, sadness, disappointment, things that she was working through inside. And so that led to then as an adult, her having this really challenging relationship with food and the diets wouldn't work and the quick fixes weren't sustainable. So for her, the healing came with being present to her emotions and being okay to express her feelings and that it was safe to do so. And then we started to work with how she related to food and using it more as a way of fueling her body with good nutrients, but having other avenues of expressing emotions, working through them, speaking them aloud. And that has completely changed her relationship to food, health, fitness. So, I mean, I could give many, many more examples, but those are just two quick ones uh, to share. So pretty much whatever someone is experiencing that is not something that they want or in line with who they think they are could be because of a limiting belief or beliefs. And then identifying what it is that they do want can help them help them get there. Correct? Absolutely. It'll help provide some clarity and give them some potential action steps. And then being aware of what else surfaces to the top of your, you know, thought process as you're going through those action steps will give you a deeper insight of the key pieces subconsciously that you'd want to work with. And I would would agree also that women have unique challenges and difficulties that are not quite universal. So if you don't mind, I want to segue into a little bit about the parenting piece, because I know that you used this throughout your pregnancy. So can you talk a little bit about what how using this for that experience Mm -hmm. was for you? Because I'd already had my own experiences with my dance career and I knew the impact that my beliefs had in my experiences, I applied it to both of my pregnancies and both of my childbirth experiences. And for me, in my first pregnancy, the pregnancy itself wasn't my hang up or where I had more worry and concern. It was more in the childbirth experience that I had more concerns about. For me, it was really important to do as much as I could so that I could have a home birth. And so I worked with my own beliefs in regards to trusting my body, trusting the innate signals that happen 
to allow the baby to come and not um, not being wrapped up in the fear of something going wrong. So for me, I was really scared of something going wrong and having to be taken to a hospital because that just wasn't the vision I had for my experience. And I knew that I needed to work of letting go of the fear. So I started working with being at peace with how things unfolded in the childbirth experience and being at peace if things needed to shift and change being transferred to a hospital, being okay with that. I really worked with my beliefs in feeling um, safe and comfortable and confident in advocating for myself because that was really important because if I was going to be transferred, I wanted to be able to communicate what was important and find a solution, not a knee-jerk reaction to something. So those were my own personal things that I wanted to work through. Um, I also worked with my beliefs about it's safe to have a home for me, it was a water birth. So it was safe to deliver at home and uh, just again, trusting my body. So those were the things that I personally had to go through the muck and yuck of to come to a place when it time came, when I came, when I went into labor, I allowed myself to stay present to the sensations, but not be afraid of the sensations of the contractions and those other elements that come with childbirth. And uh, I was able to have a home birth with my first son, and it went really well. Um, and I also worked with beliefs about my body healing post-childbirth and the efficiency of healing and being willing to take time to heal because I'm, I'm very much a let's go mover and shaker and let's get things done. And I knew taking time to heal and rest was really important. So I worked on some things in regards to that. And because I had that first experience, I didn't have as much to work through with my second pregnancy and childbirth, but there were a few other things that came with having a second child, like time management with two kids and feeling like I had enough capacity in my heart, you know, to really nurture both of my sons. So there were other elements that came with becoming a mom of two that showed up that was different than my first time. And so I was also able to have another natural water birth at home with my second son. That's awesome. And it really, it really paints the picture that you can use this for whatever situation or scenario or circumstance you are in. So thank you for sharing. As someone who does the work that you do, you mentioned how, how until we're up until about seven, we're little sponges. Has that changed at all how you parent or <laughs> what you let your sons listen to, watch, et cetera? <laughs> yes, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, here's the thing. Our kids are surrounded by a huge world and we're a part of that world, but we're not the entire world. So there's no way as a parent that I can protect my kids from every, you know, disempowering thing in the world. But what it has done for me as a parent is it's given me the grace to be human with my kids um, and say, you know, it, I made a mistake today and this is what I learned from it. And this is what I'm going to do differently next time. Or we see something on a TV show and talking about, feelings and was it oh you know how did that person come across as they felt and how did they handle their experience and what are some other ways they could have you know dealt with xyz so for me as a parent it's really opened up a lot of conversation 
with my kids and not having to be the perfect parent. That was a a big one for me. Going back to your question a second ago is perfectionism has been a big thing in my life that I've worked through. And that surfaced again when it came into being a mother and being okay that I wasn't going to be a perfect mom and being okay that I would slip up and make mistakes and learn as I go, which is really, I felt changed how I approach my parenting as opposed to how I thought I was going to parent pre, you know, pre being a mom. So um, I do what I can, you know, to instill empowering conversation, and I'm very aware of what I'm saying, you know, and just things, like I said, we learn how to say things, and maybe it's like, oh, I hate that I did that today, and my son's like, you said hate, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to choose a different word, because maybe that's actually not what I meant, it was more just a expression of frustration about something. You know, so just having those really real conversations and being clear of that's not what I meant. This is actually what I meant and owning whatever it was of my experience. Words matter. Words matter so much. Power. Yes. They have immense amount of power. And not only the words that we speak or we hear, but that we think also. So those thoughts and everything that goes along with um, how power of positive thinking and affirmations, it really does all play such an important role in reshaping how how we want to live our lives. What are some strategies that you have found that can help people? So going back to the muck situation, because typically what I what I've found and experienced in my own personal life is when something has been identified and you're working through those hard times, it is, it's hard. It's uncomfortable. So what are some ways to make it a little less uncomfortable that you found either with yourself or working with clients? Mm-hmm. Or is it just, it's going to be uncomfortable and you need to deal with it? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely that, that piece of it being uncomfortable, but asking yourself, why does uncomfortable have to be bad or scary or hard? That in and of itself is a belief as a culture that's instilled, I feel just everywhere. It's kind of an an assumed thing that uncomfortable equals bad, basically. And so when you're in the uncomfortable or when you're in the unknown, really asking yourself, is this really bad or is it just new and unfamiliar? And if you can maybe revisit the space of being a kid and getting on the bike for a first time or being a kid and being in the sandbox and you've got several toys in the sand, you know, at some point that was new and unfamiliar, but then you stuck your hands in the sand and you started to feel it and you started to go, I wonder what happens if I take this, this toy and I scoop it. Okay. What happens now if I dump it out? And so when we can approach experiences in our life from a more open-minded, curious, asking questions, observing perspective, the new and unfamiliar can become less scary. It can become less overwhelming and less daunting. And just approaching it as, I wonder what would happen, or this piece is neat. What happens if I pair it with this other piece? You know, what happens like on the bike, if I lean, oh, that means I'm falling. Okay, now I've learned what not to do. You know, so any experience that provides information allows you to grow and move forward and progress. 
So as an adult, when you're going through something that feels yucky and is different and takes you outside of your comfort zone, how can you approach it from a more playful, creative, childlike state of mind where we're curious and learning as opposed to that very ingrained adult mindset of this is hard, this is different, change is scary. See what you can do to become more playful with it. And you said one of my favorite words in their mindset. What type of mindset does it take for someone to identify limiting beliefs and then work toward addressing those? I think the mindset is, do I want my life to be different? And am I willing to do the work to get there? Because if you're not really willing to do the work, you'll continue to experience more or less the same of what you're currently having. But if you are willing to do something new and different and you are willing to you know, cannonball into the maybe unfamiliar or the pieces that are the more shadow-like parts of ourselves and shine some light on them and realize that those parts of yourself are part of what make you you and that you as a person are meant to be here. You have a purpose and it's just a matter of exploring what that is and connecting with it, getting in alignment with it. If you're really wanting a different life and you're willing to do that work, that's the mindset you have to come at it with is I'm willing to show up for myself. I'm willing to be accountable to myself because you are the only person you will always have your whole life. Other people will come in and come out. There's seasons and there's chapters of life. You are the one constant in your life. So you have to ask yourself, how committed are you to you? What is your life worth? What quality of life are you wanting? And are you willing to do what it takes to create that quality of life? You always have a choice. You always have the choice to actively contribute to your life or actively take away from your own life. And you have to get really good at choosing consciously what you're doing with every choice you make, you know, career choice, relationship choice, financial choice. When it comes down to the choice of what you tell yourself and reinforce for yourself, those are all choices. And you have the choice to change that at any point in time. So know that you are an active co-creator in your life. You are not a victim of what's happened. And I know that can be a trigger word for a lot of people. But even if something really horrible and traumatic occurred in your life, you have the choice as to how you're going to move forward now and into the future. And you don't have to let those past experiences completely define and drive the the car of your life. You do get to be the driver in your own car of life and choose what direction you're going to head from here on out. One million percent. Okay. Just a few more questions. When do you feel the most confident? When do I feel the most confident? Personally, I love teaching dance. I, I really love teaching dance. It dance is such a beautiful, the partner dancing that I do, a beautiful way of bringing in aspects of day-to-day life. And so with my own work that I've done for myself, the work I've done with clients and the experiences I've had with um, coaching, the lead follow roles of um, the style is West Coast Swing. I love getting in front of a class and working with them to learn life skill sets and then dance skill sets combined into one. So that's definitely an area where I just feel like a million bucks and I feel like I can be myself and I can be silly and goofy. I can make a mistake, but I can also offer, you know, 
excitement and joy and a connection to their own self-worth and their value that they put into the movement. So that's an area for me. That's awesome. And if someone listening wanted to find out more about you and potentially connect with you, where should they look? Yeah, I am on Instagram and my handle there is transform with Tashina. And then my website is also a really great place. And that's empowered to greatness.com. And that's actually the number two. And then I do offer on my website a way of first getting to work together as a free offer. It's um, how to break the perfectionist mindset kit. And so that's a download that you can interact with and engage with on your own. And it's a way for, you know, virtually us to get a little bit of, you can get a taste of how I work and some things that I do in my coaching with clients. And from there, if that's of interest to explore things further, I always offer, um, free strategy calls that are about 20 minutes where you and I meet one-on-one, talk about what's in your way, where do you want to get, and the action plan to get there. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and guidance and for all you do. It's such important work. I think there's quite a few people who are called to help others create that invigorating and empowering life that they are excited about. So thank you for all you do. Yeah, I love it. It's a joy to be able to support people. So it's a joy. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Graceful Confidence podcast. If you know someone who could benefit from this podcast, please go ahead and share it with them. Encourage them to like and follow this podcast so they know when new episodes are launching. Thank you again, and we'll talk soon.